I am always amazed, and I've said that before, you've heard me saying it, and I say it again this morning. Uh, John didn't know what I'm going to be, what I was going to be speaking about, and the text that he chose and the thoughts that he brought are in line, in sync with the message for this morning, no small people. If you were to check history, you would find that no successful organization has been a one-man decision. No church, no institution, no organization. One man will surface at the top. But if you go beneath that, you will find that there are shoulders upon which that individual is standing. I am quite sure that none of you in this place this morning, if any, perhaps two or three, would know who John Wesley White is. How many of you know who Billy Graham is? Okay, sure, you know who Billy Graham is. Well, Billy Graham would never write a book without first having John Wesley White go through that book. And, and, and if you would allow me a moment of levity, he is a Canadian. <laughs> John Wesley White is a brilliant, brilliant scholar, a graduate of Oxford. He's, he's Billy Graham, uh, um, handyman. The facts you hear Billy Graham speak of, John Wesley White compiles them all and gives them to Mr. Graham, and he chooses what is available, uh, what is uh, um, applicable to what he wants to write. And I'm trying to think of the name of the, um, I was going to ask my wife, and I, I completely forgot, perhaps I shouldn't say it, but when Billy Graham was last in, in Toronto, he's, um, he got very, very sick, very, very ill, and they needed to have substitutes for him right away. And, and, and one of the substitutes for Billy Graham was um, this black fella. And, and, and so I was involved in the crusade as well. And I was walking across the field. And this woman ran up to me and said, thank you so much for the job you did standing up for Dr. Graham. I said, thank you for the compliment, but I was not the one. <laughs> Many of you know who, who John MacArthur is. He's written dozens of books. But before that book that has his name is presented to the public, let me just give you an idea. One of his books, Reckless Faith. This book is the fruit of many people's labors. I'm grateful to God for the dedication of a number of dear friends and colleagues whose long hours behind the scenes labor makes my busy writing ministry possible. Phil Johnson, and I won't tell you what all they, 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 they do. Um, Alison Morimezu, 
John Paul Shinetti, Tim Waidu, who's a proofreader. Others helped meet rigorous proofreading. Gary Kussman, Jay Flowers, May Taylor, uh, Mike Taylor, Ralph White. My deepest gratitude goes to my entire staff, especially Lance Quinn, Dick Mayhew, and Tim Pennington for their advice and encouragement along the way. I'm also grateful and thankful to the staff at Crossway, especially Lane Dennis and Leonard Gose, whose enthusiasm never flagged, even when this project fell behind schedule. Our partnership is something I am grateful for. What I'm wanting to say to you, dear friends, no church, no organization, as we have just read, is ever the work of one person. It takes a team. It takes a commitment of individuals who share in the vision that God has given for the thing to happen. And for those who are visiting with us this morning, we have been studying some characters during the past few weeks since our studies in Ecclesiastes came to an end. And we looked at Daniel. And we looked at Anna last week. This morning, I want us to look at Titicus. Titicus. I, I took a few minutes on, on the internet this past week to look at some strange names. And I thought I better not bring those to you because you might be laughing for the rest of the morning. I want you to listen to the message. Titicus, or Titicus, if you're British. But I'll remain what I am. Titicus. I want to tell you the tale of Tychicus, or his story. His name appears in Acts 20, verse 4, in Ephesians 6, 21, in 2 Timothy 4, 12, and in Titus 3, 12. And each time his name appears, it appears in a certain setting. I want us to look at his conversion. It is not, it is not there in the text, but it is all over what is, what is being done. Let me tell you why I say that. In Acts 24, we learn that he was Asian. He was born in the province of Ephesus. So he could have been one of the many backgrounds there. If you, if, if you look at his name, his name means someone who is lucky. <laughs> someone who, according to the dictionary, is happening by accident. <laughs> the name comes from one of the gods that, he, that his parents knew. And, and, and he's seen as, as one who, who is there by chance. But when Paul writes about Tychicus, he calls him a beloved brother. Let me give you something about those two words, beloved. The source of the word beloved is the word from which we get our word agape, or agapao, whether you're using the noun or the verb. It is the divine expression for divine love. 
So Paul is saying of Tychicus that he is a brother because he shares the divine love. His name doesn't say that. But when Paul, who everyone, many think that he was the one who led him to Christ, he calls him a beloved brother. So here he is, he's designated as having the divine connection. But the word brother is even more unique. Because the word brother literally means to come from the same womb. So that spiritually, the same spiritual source from which Paul comes is the same spiritual source from which Tychicus comes. So, somewhere along the line, he was converted. If, if, if you study Acts chapter 20, you will find that when Paul was going to Rome, Tychicus was mentioned, but not only was he mentioned, there were different ones from that part of the world, there were simply, simply just two Jews. And the rest were all from different backgrounds. Which, which, which shows that when we come into salvation, God breaks down all the barriers. Whatever background we may come from, when we come into the family of God, we come into the family from the same womb from the same spiritual womb, so that we call one another brothers and sisters. We, 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 might, we might look at the complexion and they might be different, but that's not where we are coming from. We're coming from our spiritual source so that we are able, like Paul, to say, Tithicus is a faithful brother. If Christ is your Savior... And Christ is my Savior. We are one in the bond of love. He was converted. But I want you to see that he was not only converted, my friends. Because it is one thing to be converted. It's another thing to know conversion. You see, we, we take converted to be the entering in, and that's it. But you will see that, that he became a fellow bond slave. Not only was he a beloved brother, he became a fellow. Like Paul, he became engaged in what the kingdom of God was saying, was doing, was going. He didn't come into the family to be ministered to. He came into the family to minister. He did not simply enter, he became engaged. After his salvation, he brought himself under the authority of Christ. There was salvation, there was submission, and in submission there is sanctification. Oftentimes when we become a part of the family of God, we are saved and that's it. There's nothing beyond. So we, we, we don't really know how to relate to the body when we're going through difficulties. We don't know where to turn 
and, and, and sometimes we, we remove ourselves from, from the initial step and we wonder why God is doing this. But I want you to understand, my friends, that when we enter into the family of God, we enter into a family that is supposed to care, supposed to feel, who weeps with you when you weep, who rejoice with you when you rejoice, who pray with you when you need prayer, because he's now actually, unless he submits to God first, he's not going to experience any of those things. And God put Tichkas into a family. <laughs> someone, I listened to someone who was speaking on this text and they said, you wouldn't want to be friends with Paul because every place he goes, he goes to jail. So why would you, huh? But notice, friends, he's a fellow bond servant in the Lord. You see, it is, it, I could be a member of Sotoville Evangelical Church. I could be a member of whatever church I may be identified with, but if I'm not in Christ submitting to him, that church designation means almost nothing. Whether it's by prayer or whatever gifts God gives, he's going to place us into the family so that like the Macedonians, we give ourselves to God and like Paul, we say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because the family of God depends upon members of the family being engaged in the work of God. Paul was about to go to Rome to face trials. And if you, if you listen to Paul as he ends the journey... He talks of all those people who were going with him. And responsibilities took some of them away. And at the end of it, he said this. You could almost feel the tears running down the face of the Apostle Paul. Everyone has left me. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He needed Demas. As the trip was coming to its end, he needed Demas. But the lights of the world was so much a part of Demas' life that he, he would not become a bond servant. He would not become identified with the chains of Paul. He left Paul for this world. My friends, let me suggest to you that perhaps we have been mistaken in the past in not telling people that when you become a Christian, you become a part of an institution established by God and the work is carried out not by one man. Imagine if Paul didn't have Tychicus. I'll tell you a minute what we wouldn't have. If Billy Graham didn't have John Wesley White and George Beverly Shea and all the other people working around him, where would he be? He couldn't do it without them. And here's the mystery of it all. Here's the mystery of it all. God can do it without you. And he can do it without me. But he invites us to share with him in what he's doing. He can do it without us. Do you remember 
when the Pharisees said to Jesus, stop these people from praising you. And what did Jesus say? If they stop, the stones will do it. <laughs> God is not bankrupt. The wisdom of God, my friends, is that he takes sinners like you and me and he puts us into a family and he says, okay, I want the world to know what the power of God can do. He can break down barriers of people so that they come together. But first, they must submit to me. Uh, listening to a, a guy last night, and when I'm finished with my text, I usually go to see how others treat it and and I, I write my own text first, so I don't have to copy anybody's. But it, I was interested with this fellow who didn't give his name. And he was talking about how God has brought his church together, a multi-ethnic church. No, I'm not promoting anything here. Okay, I want you to know. But this is what he said. For them to get to the place where they were. Every different ethnic group in the church had to die to their own ethnicity before they came to the one sense of the family of God. Everyone had to die to themselves first. That's, princi that's the principle of scripture. That's the principle of scripture. The Macedonians gave themselves to the Lord first and then to them. Jesus talking to Peter said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. My friends, you must be deeply in love with Jesus Christ if you are going to serve with one another. Because sometimes people can be a bore. Really? I always, I always say to myself, when, when Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. And Peter said, okay, Lord, that's fine. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. No, Lord, do I have to. <laughs> the lambs I can take. The sheep, oh, my word, no. Because I'm going to tell you, friends, when God puts us into the family, he has to take care of my prejudices. He has to take care of your prejudices. He has to take care of those, those, those things we bring into the family of God. You know, I was right and you were wrong. You're going to find when we get to heaven that I was right and you were wrong. I'll, you know, God has to remove all those things. So that he brings us together. So that when the world looks at us, they say, how can they behave like that? How can they serve like that? How can they love like that? We do not serve, my friends, hoping that everything will go our way. We serve because God breaks down the barriers so that the highest concern I have, the highest concern I have is for the glory of God, the will of God, the ways of God. And God breaks me so that I can fit into the purposes he has for me. That's what he did with Tychicus. And every man, every woman, who's going to have a testimony like Tychicus, must go through the process. Must go through the process. Let, let me share something with you. One of my practices on Sunday mornings is to pray for the churches. 
And I, I checked all the churches in Lebanon and Albany. Well, you have the idea. And I found myself this morning not wanting to pray for Valley Life Church. Because Valley Life took over Lebanon Evangelical Church. And, and I, I was wrestling with this. And then the Lord rebuked me. Whose work do you think they're doing? <laughs> Who makes you to differ? <laughs> I had to confess. Now I'm confessing to you, friends, that sometimes when something happens that offends us or we think shouldn't, we're not too sure we want to pray for that person or for that church. You see, if we're submitted to Jesus Christ first, we are bond servants of Christ. And he says, pray for your enemies. Well, as far as I know, Father life is not my enemy. And I've been disobedient to God. If I did not call them by name, because they're doing God's work. And we're doing God's work. And the beauty of God bringing us together is that we do not serve with one eye on this or that. We have our focus upon Christ and Christ alone. That's his submission. Let's look at his testimony. The testimony of Tychicus. Paul was not reluctant to speak about others who serve with him. He calls them fellow to be in the same direction. Paul was under no delusion that he is so important to God that if God didn't do it, it wouldn't be done. If he didn't do it, it wouldn't be done. He was under no delusion. So look at what he finds in Tychicus. First, he was trustworthy. He was dependable. He gained the confidence of the Apostle Paul by the way he conducted himself under pressure or under circumstances. He stuck to the, ta to the, to the task given to him. Everywhere his name is mentioned, his faithfulness is also mentioned. Let me give you three things about a, a trustworthy person. A trustworthy person serves with the strength which God gives so that only God is glorified in his service. 1 Peter 4.11 A trustworthy person serves with the strength which God gives so that only God is glorified in his service. Two, a trustworthy person serves with a sense of the future grace because only God can, can truly reward his service. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust to overlook your work and the love which you have shown for his name in serving the saints. As you still do, God, there are times, my friends, perhaps when, when you may have asked, does it matter what I do? Does it matter that I am just a little piece of the, the, the whole puzzle? God is not unjust to forget 
what you do for his name. A trustworthy person serves with a sense of future grace. God is the one who has given me what I have. And I'm going I'm to trust him to use it in whatever way he wants so that, 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 it is, that it's used. And I will wait for him to reward me in it. Thirdly, a trustworthy person satisfies those who send him. Proverbs 25, 13. He refreshes the soul of his masters. Such a person is a rare person. You don't... Trustworthiness, my friends. Someone, I love this thought from Eugene Peterson. He said, it is better to talk to God than to talk about God. Because when we talk about God, we leave a little bit of ourselves in it. It is better to talk to God than to talk about God. You see, because now, I tell you, in the morning, when I pray, I pray for all the churches. And I might think, if they hear this, they're going to think I'm really a saint. Am I telling it to you so you will focus on me? God have mercy. A trustworthy person serves with, with the sense that God is pleased with this. The greatest thing I can do is to submit myself to God where he places me so that nothing moves me. Gwen will never know how much that song meant to me. It's one of my college songs. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming image, thy transforming power, you have made me whole. Listen, friends, where God puts us is where God shapes us so that we fit into God's purpose for God's glory. A trustworthy person. That's what Tithicus was. Paul was on his way to prison. And Tithicus says, I'm with you. Paul went through days of difficulties. Tithicus says, I'm with you. And Paul watched that boy. And when Paul wanted others to know about what was happening to him, he said, I am choosing Tychicus because he is a trustworthy person. Look at his toil. His toil. <laughs> what was Tychicus' toil? This is where the title of the message is, No Small People. He was not called to be up front. He was called to be a servant. In fact, the word there is doulos, a slave. And he makes himself a slave. See? God doesn't force us to serve him in difficult circumstances. I want you to look at what his toil was. I find this most interesting. He was charged by the Apostle Paul 
he was a scribe, by the way. He would write down what Paul had to say, and then Paul would write his name on it. <laughs> and say, wow, I think I should get a piece of the pie there. But you see, this is not Tychicus's work. This is not even Paul's work. This is Christ's work. And Tychicus was to be a scribe. And Paul was to be up front. And so here he is now. He is to deliver this very letter to the church at Colossae. He's charged with del delivering letters that Paul di dictated to him has Paul's signature. And Paul, as it were, in, in, if you please, may I say it? He gets the glory, if you please. Don't we say the epistle of Paul? The epistle of Paul to the Colossi? The epistle of Paul to the Ephesians? Tychicus knew that Paul dictated those letters to him. And Paul puts his signature there. You know why? Because Paul was the one that God had designed through whom he would make known the truths. It didn't originate with him, but God singled him out for that purpose. You remember the, the mother of James and John went to Jesus and said, I want you to do something for me, whatever I ask you. It's a dangerous thing, isn't it? Would you do something for me, whatever I ask you? I had a daughter that used to say that. And Jesus said, what is it? <laughs> she said, when we get to heaven, I want one of my sons to sit on the right hand of God and one to sit on the left. And she said, I'm going to work as hard as I can on earth to make sure that happens. And Jesus said, you can't work at all to make it happen. The only way it can happen is if God ordains it. Only if God ordains it. And God is the one. God doesn't say, if you work as hard as you can, you're going to get a place of prestige in heaven. No, he doesn't say that. In fact, my friends, we will be so impressed with the wonder and the glory of this God who doesn't need us, yet calls us to serve with him, that when he gives us a reward, you know what we're going to do with it? We're going to lay it at his feet. We're going to say, we are unprofitable servants. We couldn't do this without you. And so Tithicus was told to deliver the letter. He's contended to be a part of the team, not necessary to be the leader of it. And let me tell you, I'm talking to pastors because pastors have this idea that they are the leaders of church. Nowhere in the Bible is a pastor called to be a leader of a church. He's called to be a servant of the church. That's why we have books written as to how to conduct meetings and the rest of it, and what to do when things... I, I, a book, I haven't read it, and don't buy it for me. Things that I can say now that I'm no longer in the pastorate. Think of that one. Only a soul brother with a servant heart could serve this way because his trustworthiness because of his trustworthiness, please listen, if he had changed anything in transit, we wouldn't have what we have now. 
if he had changed anything in transit, if he had said, I don't like the way Paul said this, so I'm going to change it, we wouldn't have the word of God because that would not have been inspired. The toil was to simply be a part of the team. Not to be the upfront man. I, I remember when I was in Toronto, we had, we had this. It, it was a fairly large church. And uh, after a concert, we have a concert that used to run over a period of three weeks and, and, and so on and so on. And one day there was an old gentleman after, what, after the concert. <laughs> he looked rather lost. And I said to him, um, may I help you? He said, I don't know which door I came in. And I can't find my coat. Hmm. I said, well, if you give me your name, and your address, your phone number, I'll look for it for you, and I'll make sure you get it. <laughs> he said, are you the janitor? <laughs> I said, no, but I will still look for your coat for you. <laughs> See, my friends, someone said this. I love this. You will know if you have the, lead, the, the heart of a leader by the way you respond when people treat you as a servant. You will know if you have the heart of a leader by the way you respond when people treat you like a servant. Here it is, friends. What was his toil? John Wesley White, you don't know his name, but you know Billy Graham's name. John Wesley White substituted for Billy Graham all over the world. But you don't know about him because he, did, he wasn't called to be Billy Graham. Tychicus wasn't called to be Paul. He's called to be Tychicus. So he was charged with delivering the letters for Paul. For Paul, Listen. He was to communicate the apostles' circumstances. In other words, he was to talk about someone else, not about himself. He did this in Ephesus. He did this to Colossae. Paul left his circumstances in the hand of someone else because he was trustworthy, he had a servant's heart, and he was not, a, uh, not embarrassed or afraid to say, my, my, my leader is Paul, whatever the case may be. He was not to promote himself. Paul's ministry depended upon the trustworthiness of Tychicus. Can you imagine that? That we hear about Paul, and rightly so, because that's the way God has ordained it. But my friends, if Paul didn't have all these pieces around him, it wouldn't work. And may I say this? This church will only become successful or thrive if we work together as a team and not as some pastors standing here saying my way or the highway, not saying this is what we want, this is what God wants, and we come together to seek the mind of Christ so that we will have one mind in doing the work of God. That's what Titicus did. He worked as a team member. 
He worked with different people, different backgrounds. But you never find tension between, look at Acts chapter 20, verse 4. You never find tension there. What you found, my friends, was a oneness, a care, a, a servant spirit that could not be denied. More could be said, but I come to my last point. Look at the trail that Tychicus left, the trail he left, and that he may encourage your hearts. When Tychicus left Colossae, the hearts of the Colossians were encouraged. Have you ever thought of this? When you visit someone's home, or they visit their home and you're leaving, you wonder, I wonder what they're thinking now that I've left. I, I wonder how they thought about. Hmm. That he may encourage you. There was no nuance in the communication of Tichikas that left any question in the minds of the Colossi. Please listen. Tichikas was not a somebody in human terms. He left no writing that, sur that survives. He did no great feat that, that Luke thought that he should write about in Luke, in, in, in the Gospel of Luke or in, in the book of Acts, I should say. The only thing we know about Tithicus is that he was a trustworthy servant. That's all we know about him. And my friends, because we know that about him, we have the Bible. Paul wrote it, but he gave it to Tithicus. Take it to Ephesians, to the Ephesians. Take it to the Colossians. Take it to, to Timothy. Take it to Titus. We have it because he was faithful. Not only was he faithful, but he was an encouragement to others. He lived the spirit. He strengthened those whose weak were, knees were becoming weak. I came across a story with which I want to end. Dr. Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision, <coughs> was dying of cancer. And one of the things he wanted to do, he wanted to make a trip to Indonesia, Borneo, to see a, a good friend of his who worked with him uh, in, in the States before he went to Borneo as a missionary. And when Dr. Pierce was there, as they were walking around the island, he looked over and he saw a young girl lying on a mat, the sun beating down on her body. And Bob said to Bob, that was his name is Bob, he asked his friend, what is that little girl doing there? And Bob said, she comes from another island. She's dying of cancer. And Bob said, Dr. Bob Pierce said, well, why isn't she in the hospital? And Bob said to Bob, she comes from another island and she doesn't want to go into a hospital. She's afraid of something. 
And so Bob Pierce got down on his knees, took the hands of this little girl, rubbed it, and started to pray. And then with a very soft, tender voice, this little girl said something in her language that Dr. Pierce did not understand. So he asked his friend, what did she say? And she said, he answered, she said, the pain, the pain, I would just love to sleep for a little bit. I would just love to sleep. And with the tears running down his face, Bob Pierce put his hand in his pocket. See, he was also dying of cancer. And he couldn't sleep, and he had his sleeping pills with him. And he took the sleeping pills, opened the little girl's hands, put it in, and said to his friend, make sure, make sure that it will be given to her when she needs it. It would be at least two weeks before Bob Pierce could get to another place where he could get some more pills. But when he left the little girl, he left encouragement. Encouragement. See, my friends, if we're going to encourage one another, it will cost us something. It will cost us our ego. It will cost us our, our, our sense of what we want. Oh, this happens in marriage. It happens in churches. It happens in corporation. But we're talking about the church now. But when the church is occupied by bond servants, our slaves of Jesus Christ, we work with one another with a sense of future grace that what we're doing now anticipates that the reward for my service will come from God, not in time, but in eternity. And that he may encourage you. Oh, may we be a people of encouragement. That when people leave here today, they will leave encouraged. When they call us, they will hear encouragement because they are not talking to leaders, they are talking to servants. And servants are concerned for the glory of God, not for their own glory. Let's pray. Tychicus, what a weird name to us. But his name and his footsteps are charted by God. Oh, I pray, Father, that this congregation, as we look to the fall ministry, that this congregation will be served with slaves of Christ, doulos, Sundulas, together, fellow servants. So that when the angels look on and when the world looks on, they see what only God can create and God gets all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.